especially when we're talking about sabotage, when yeah. we're talking about about physical operations, the job is not to protect the information. Mm -hmm. The job is to protect safe and reliable physical operation from information because mm -hmm. all cyber sabotage attacks are information. The only way you can take a control system, an industrial control system, and change it from a normal state mm -hmm. to a sabotaged state, the only way to do that is for attack information to enter the system. Inside Digital Transformation, the podcast of the Industry 4.0 Maturity Center at RWTH Aachen campus. Every now and then, we talk to leaders from business, science, and the community about the digital transformation of manufacturing companies. Together, we discuss trends, current challenges, and how to meet them. Have fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Inside Digital Transformation. Today, we want to talk about a topic that uh, many people probably e either consider as a roadblock of their transformation process, or many um, maybe even do not have on their agendas, which um, exposes them to high risks. You may have guessed it already, we want to talk about security. And in particular, we want to talk about industrial security. And because of this topic, um, yeah, it's not the most popular one, but it's, I think, one of the most important topics when you talk about the digital transformation. Um, I think we can be happy that there are experts like our guest today um, who can help us finding the right solution and finding the right approach for this. Um, and yeah, a warm welcome to Andrew Ginter from Waterfall Security Solutions. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Hi. So Andrew is the VP Industrial Security at Waterfall Security Solutions. He is also the author of two books on industrial cyber security. Um, you also um, co-authored uh, the um, security framework for the Industrial Internet Consortium, right? And uh, yeah, you are also a regular uh, contributor to um, security standards, to best practice guidelines. And yeah, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, please tell us more about the interesting and good work you do at Waterfall um, uh, Security Solutions. We are yeah, keen on learning more. Uh, I'm happy to thank you for having me. You know, um, yeah, Waterfall Security Solutions is a, a, a technology provider. Um, you know, our flagship product is the, the unidirectional security gateway. I'll, uh, you know, likely mention them, you know, later on when we, we start talking about serious security. I lead a team at Waterfall that works with a lot of the world's most secure industrial sites. Um, my team also works with universities, with government agencies, you know, to, to get the word out about industrial security about options in the space, you know, choices that people have, uh, you know, to, to do some some much stronger security than, than, you know, a lot of people might think is practical. So, you know, making, making uh, good protection practical is what we're about. Okay. Yeah, sounds interesting. And uh, looking at the topic cybersecurity, um, we do not look at the enterprise level, but we look at the level of industrial automation. And um, Andrew, um, maybe let's start from the beginning. How are we doing today um, on that topic? Well, the, what's the right word? The, uh, the truism is that, uh, you know, the bad guys keep getting better at what they do. I mean, you know, for 30 years, we've been automating 
industrial automation, industrial operations. We've been we've been making things more automatic. You know, for 30 years, we've had more and more powerful software to help us with that automation. The bad news is that the bad guys have been doing the same thing. They've been automating their attacks. They've been creating more and more powerful software to help them attack our stuff. Um, for 30 years, we have been doing more automation, which means we've been deploying more computers, which means deploying more and more targets every year for 30 years for cyber attacks. And, you know, data in motion, connectivity is the lifeblood of modern automation. And so for 30 years, we've been connecting those increasing number of targets more and more together, increasing opportunities for cyber attacks to reach those targets. For 30 years, we've been putting more targets in place, increasing opportunities to attack those targets. It's no wonder we're in trouble today. And Here's the thing, neither of those trends are reversing. Neither of those trends are going away. You know, the, the cybersecurity problem is much is very likely to get much worse for the next 20 years uh, than it is, you know, to get to get better. Um, you know, as evidence of that, um, I sent you uh, you know a copy of our latest threat report. There's a there's a graphic that I use. Um, you know, in in our threat report, we did a report on uh, not attacks on industrial sites not you know possible outcomes these were actual sites that went down these were attacks that caused physical shutdowns or other physical damage and uh, you know you can you can see from the trend you know back 10 years ago this was a theoretical problem everybody was worried about attacks not downtime they worry about what could happen not what was happening as you can see, what is happening with, you know, last year there were 22 attacks that shut down operations. And each of them, most of those attacks shut down multiple sites at once. It was almost 100 sites that went down last year. Curve is going up. You know, does anyone believe we're ever, given, you know, given what we see on the curve here, does anyone believe that we're ever going to, you know, going back to a year like 2011 where there were zero, there were no, there was no downtime because of cyber attacks? No. So, you know, the, the, this is a problem and, and we need to do something about it pretty urgently given the trend that we're seeing. Okay. Uh, when we look at uh, these incidents, uh, what, what are they? Um, can, you, can you tell us more about the, the typical incidents um, that are part of these uh, statistics that we can see here? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. most of those attacks today are ransomware. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, Ransomware has figured out how to make money off of shutting down industrial operations. This is the bad news. Um, some other trends that we're observing is that today's ransomware has become very sophisticated. This is big business. We're talking, you know, a multi-billion dollar business every year. Today's ransomware is using attack techniques that less than half a decade, you know, three, four years ago, were being used only by nation states. I mean, a lot of us imagine I manufacture, I don't know, I'm a small manufacturer of consumer goods. Why would a nation state come after me? Do I really have to worry about the most sophisticated of attacks? And the answer is yes, we do have to worry because uh, you know, what we see the nation states doing to each other today, ransomware is gonna do to everyone with money inside of a handful of years. Three, four, three, four years is what we're looking at. Do we have money? Yes. Then we're going to see nation state attacks coming after us in the hands 
of ransomware operators. You know, a concrete example was uh, back in 2017, we saw a nation state attack. It was, you know, alleged to be the Russians planting uh, malware, uh, you know, uh, a disk wiper called NotPetya into a security update for a tax package uh, for the for the Ukraine. Um, that tax package was automatically installed at, at hundreds of victims and, you know, uh, chaos resulted. Um, that was 2017. You know, last year in 2021, we saw uh, ransomware use a cloud service to deliver their package, their ransomware package, uh, through a compromise to a, a, a defect that they discovered in the Kaseya uh, cloud service. They distributed the software update to 1,500 victims within a 45 minute period. So, four years between you know allegedly the russians doing it to ransomware doing it so this is what we're seeing going future i mean uh you know it it it, it imagine that it wasn't uh you know a, a an it vendor imagine it was an industrial vendor you know we've we've got trouble then so uh yeah that really sounds uh like a like big threats and high risks and uh, like a ver very serious uh, problem and um, I think everybody has the question um, uh, what can we do about this so uh, what what from your perspective um, are good solutions good next steps um, to tackle these risks and to mitigate this, these risks that you mentioned okay so um, let's uh, you know before we before we talk about solutions let's let's dig maybe just a bit deeper into the problem yeah. um, We've talked about sort of the statistics. Let's yeah. look at sort of the principles. What yeah. are the principles we're dealing with here? Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And you know, I've I, I've written a couple of books on the topic. In 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 the first book, I I you know coined uh, the first three laws of industrial cybersecurity. Things to keep in mind. Principles to keep in mind. You know, the first law is nothing is secure. Security is a spectrum. It's not a yes or no. The question, you know, the question, are you secure? is not a question that has an answer. It's a meaningless question. Um, it's like the question, are you safe? Are you safe right now? Probably not. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Could you be safer? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you be less safe? Yes. You know, the question, the question, how safe are you? The question, how secure are mm. we? Okay. Has an answer. The question, are we secure, has no answer. Security yeah. is not a yes or no thing. How secure are we? The question, how secure should we be, mm -hmm. is even more important. Yeah. So that's sort of the first principle. The second principle is that all software has bugs, and so all software can be hacked. I mean, I wrote software for 20 years. Um, I led entire teams writing you know, very reliable software. Um, and in spite of my best efforts, in spite of the best efforts of all of colleagues, every piece of software we ever produced had bugs in it. And some of those bugs were security holes. So in practice, you know, all software can be hacked. For evidence of this, go to your favorite security software vendor, you know, antivirus, firewall, whatever you wish, a security vendor, and see how many security updates they issued last month. All software can be hacked. And, you know, the, the third law is, we're talking here about sabotage. We're not talking about stealing information. We're talking about sabotaging physical operations. All cyber sabotage attacks are 
information. And every single bit, every single information flow can encode attacks. So, you know, these principles, these principles are second nature to IT, but they're sort of, you know, I, I, I in a sense, I wrote the book for the engineering folks. Mm -hmm. um, it's news to a lot of engineers to think about the problem this way. And once you think about the problem the right way, oh, oh, there is a problem here. Mm -hmm. And now we can stop, you know, start talking about what are we going to do about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Really, I think interesting insights um, that there is no absolute uh, security. Just uh, maybe the degree changes, and that at the end, um, every software, um, um, every digital system is somehow hackable. And again, bad news, I would say. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, do we? Uh, do you have a plan for this? Can you recommend something how to deal with this risk? Maybe to be. Uh, not on the, at least not on the highest end of the spectrum that you mentioned uh, in terms of security. Um, how would you approach um, uh, such situations? Oh. Well, the, the, uh, the second book I wrote was, you know, was not a book about Waterfall. I worked for Waterfall, but it was a book about our customers. It was a book about the world's most secure industrial sites. It's a book about what they do differently. They ask different questions. And, you know, if they ask different questions, they get different answers. They look at the problem a different way. So, you know, one of the fundamental questions they ask, they, they, they do differently is in the, you know, in the IT space, in the enterprise security space, um, a lot of people figure the job of enterprise security is to protect the information, protect the confidentiality, integrity, availability of information, the confidentiality, especially, you know, you want to protect information, encrypt it quick, encrypt everything. There, are we done? And the answer, of course, is no. Cyber attacks nowadays arrive inside of encrypted connections. You know, encryption is not the answer. Um, you know, imagine, you know, imagine I pull a virus from an email server. That connection to the email server is encrypted, isn't it? The virus is encrypted when I pull it onto my machine, and yet I've compromised my machine inside of an encrypted connection. So um, you know, the, the, especially when we're talking about sabotage, when we're talking about, about physical operations, the job is not to protect the information. The job is to protect safe and reliable physical operation from information because all cyber sabotage attacks are information. The only way you can take a control system, an industrial control system, and change it from a normal state to a sabotaged state. The only way to do that is for attack information to enter the system. Okay, so you're talking so, about any information. Yeah, uh, that, that's right. Yeah. Every every information flow can mm -hmm. encode an attack. Mm -hmm. You know the the uh, you know the secure sites we work with. They do not ask the question, "How do I protect the information?" They ask the question, mm -hmm. "How can I protect physical operations from information? More specifically, from attacks." that may be embedded yeah. in information. Yeah, I think that is uh, looking at uh, the companies we typically work with um, quite a different uh, um, perspective on, on this topic. Uh, so protect the network from, from any information that can potentially be a threat for the operations. That's right. Um, you know, as a, as you know, as evidence of that, let me let me tell you a story. Imagine that we're standing. Imagine that we're standing in a refinery, 
in front of a catalytic cracker. A catalytic cracker is, is this massive cylinder, five stories tall, um, running at very high pressure at a temperature of something like, I don't know, five or 600 degrees Celsius uh, with hot oil, hot hydrocarbons in the cracker being boiled, being turned to vapor, running through the catalyst and, and turning into other stuff. Imagine that, you know, we're getting a tour of the facility and we, you know, we see a technician standing in front of the, uh, the cracker, you know, working on their iPad, you know, taking, taking measurements, checking stuff out. And we notice outside the fence, mm -hmm. there's someone standing with a telescope and they're looking at the cracker. And on the side of the cracker, there's, there's a gauge with a needle and there's a dial. Mm -hmm. They're looking with their telescope and they're stealing the setting on the cracker, the temperature setting or the pressure setting. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's the pressure setting they're stealing. If we tap the technician on the shoulder and say, excuse me, excuse me, it, it looks like someone is stealing your information here with that telescope. <laughs> What's the technician going to do? Maybe call security, maybe not. The consequences of stealing information from outside the fence mm -hmm. for an industrial site are similar to of stealing information from the business network. Mm -hmm. These are business consequences. Yeah. Now, imagine that same scenario, but instead of a telescope, the person outside the fence has got wire cutters. They cut a hole in the fence, they run up to the cracker and they take the gauge, or sorry, the, the, the dial and they crank it hard right yeah. and they run away. What's the technician gonna do? Yeah. Scream for security, lunge for, for the sure. dial, put it back the way it's supposed to be because, you know, we do not want this thing blowing up in our face. We want to be able to see our kids again this evening, okay? Yeah. Information entering mm -hmm. the system is much more dangerous than information leaving yeah. the system. Okay. And so, you know, one of the things that we see industrial sites doing, the, the world's most secure sites, one of the things they do differently is they will do an inventory of all of the ways that information can get into the system. It can get in, you know, through a firewall, through wireless connections. It can come in on USBs. It can come in on laptop computers. It can come in on, on uh, cell phones, for that matter. It can come in in my brain, a password and malicious intent. I can, I can carry that past physical security. An inventory of all of the possible ways information can get into the system is also an inventory of all possible attack vectors. And that inventory tends to be fairly small. It tends to be less than about two dozen ways that information can get in. And so with that inventory and, you know, um, these, these folks, they take measures to try and control those information flows as much as possible, ideally control them physically, glue shut the USBs, physically remove the CD drives, because we don't need a CD drive in this computer. It, remove as much as possible physically all of the ways yeah, I mean, uh, very uh, drastical measures. Um, I can imagine when, when I think of uh, the, the people listening to, to us now, to the discussion, um, who are responsible for Industry 4.0 uh, projects, driving the digital transformation, um, they all think of um, yeah, I mean, doing maybe the exact opposite of what you recommend by connecting assets to the cloud. Yeah? Um, so this whole concept is about uh, connecting different systems with each other and also systems, maybe on-site systems with uh, systems that are completely externally cloud systems. Um, isn't that um, really uh, exactly the, the, the opposite thing that they want to hear? Isn't that really blocking um, a transformation process? Um, 
What, uh, what can, what, what do you, how, how do you look at this topic in the context of? Well, industry? that's that. That is a that is a question we get. Yeah. That is a question I you know I see out there in the community. But mm -hmm. you know, the question in a sense it's the wrong question. Yeah. Okay. The question that that uh, you know, how many how many how many engineering teams are there out there in the world? You ask them, what's your strategic goal for this year? How many of them are going to say, my strategic goal is to increase connectivity? That's that's not a goal. That's not a useful goal. What you know, what people want to do nine times out of ten is increase efficiencies or increase uptime to increase efficiency, to increase output. And connectivity is a means to an end. It's a way to help increase efficiencies. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. Um, what a lot of people are not taking into account is that increased connectivity to get those efficiencies is also increasing risk. So we've got to weigh one against the other. What we see customers doing is using, again, I, I mentioned unidirectional gateways. This is unidirectional exactly. technology uh -huh. to get the benefits of connectivity, to get those efficiencies without uh, getting the risks. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, you uh, mentioned the term unidirectional um, uh, communication already, I think, a, a couple of times. Um, what's, what's behind that? Maybe you can explain for our listeners what, what you understand um, 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 under unidirectional communication uh, for, for them. Sure thing. Sure thing. So, um, you know, a... a uh, We're talking about a, a, a class of technology called unidirectional gateways. You can Google it. Um, and you know these are devices that are typically deployed uh, as an extra layer of, of protection, of hardware-based protection, either at the interface between the industrial network and the IT network, or sometimes at the interface between the industrial network and the internet. You know, when we're going, you know, industry 4.0, when we're going out to the cloud, We'll see these devices. They, they are they're deployed typically at you know in in high risk communication paths. You know you generally do not see them between the HMI and the PLC. That's sort of okay. deep inside the industrial network. You'll see it between the HMI and the internet, between mm -hmm. the HMI and the IT network, definitely. Okay. Yeah, and and what is it? You know it's unidirectional gateway technology. It's a it's a combination of hardware and software. They're working together. Mm -hmm. The hardware is physically able to move information in only one direction. Hardware usually has two pieces. Often it's built into one box. Inside there's two circuit boards. One circuit board has a fiber optic transmitter, a laser. The other one has a fiber optic receiver, a photocell, and there's you know a short piece of fiber, usually exactly this long, mm -hmm. connecting the two circuit boards. So you can send from one to the other. You can send from the industrial network out to the internet, out to the cloud if we need to. Um, But there's physically no way to get any information back because on the receiving circuit board, there is no laser. There is uh -huh. no transmitter. It's, it's not physically possible okay, to send any light back on the fiber. That means really that it's not just uh, something I, where I check a box in a software and uh, uh, do not allow this communication in, a, in an IT system or, or in, a, in a controller or whatever. It's really the information flow that is not possible physically uh, in the other direction. You can only take the information out, nothing in. That's um, to, uh, to summarize or um, when, when, to, when I understand your um, explanation correct. 
Absolutely right. Yeah. So back to the first three laws. Yeah. Um, you know, law number number three is mm -hmm. all information flows are potential attacks. So this is a way to get information out to the internet, mm -hmm. out to the business where we mm -hmm. can benefit from the information, where our business automation mm -hmm. can make us more efficient. Yeah with no risk of anything getting back because no information gets back, no attacks get back. Mm -hmm. And the second principle is, you know, number two, which is all software can be hacked. This is physical protection. Mm -hmm. it, it's not physically possible to send anything back. Mm -hmm. It's not even hardware-based protection. It's physical protection. It's not software. Even if you find a bug in every piece of software on the planet, you still cannot send attack information into the industrial network through the hardware. And the software is sort of where the magic is because people go interesting you know too bad that won't work tcp has a three-way handshake you can't do anything one way and that's right this is why the software is there the software is where the magic is the software makes copies of servers if you've got a historian in the industrial network if we've got an opc server in the industrial network that are the focus of itot integration and this is the very design pattern um, you know it often these are the devices will even connect up to the cloud um, the software logs into the device on the industrial network asks for all of the latest data everything that's changed back you know that snapshot of data converts it to the strange one-way format sends it through the strange one-way hardware and on the other side the software logs into an identical server you know osi software aviva Pi on the inside, it's Pi on the outside. If it's a SQL server on the inside, it's SQL on the outside. If it's OPC, it's OPC. And inserts the data. Mm -hmm. Now we've got two servers that have exactly the same data in them. Mm -hmm. And anybody on the outside, on the internet, on the IT network who needs the data, logs into the copy, asks the copy for the latest data, gets the same answers as the live system would have given without ever sending anything back in. Even if our enemies find a zero-day vulnerability in every piece of software, every piece of security software on the planet, mm -hmm. even if they find a zero-day gateway software, mm -hmm. even if they steal the password for the unidirectional gateway software, yeah. they, they still it's can't no get way. through the hardware. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. That's right. Um, I think, um, yeah, it sounds like a, a concept that makes sense, but also like something where you, yeah, have to, where you have to add a further component uh, to the existing system, uh, extra effort, extra investment. And I think uh, for sure it, it makes sense for, for critical assets, for critical infrastructure, like the example you had with the uh, refinery. Um, um, for me, uh, completely makes sense. There are probably other, uh, many other examples railways for example i would i wouldn't feel safe in a in a train where i would know that uh, someone from the outside can somehow hack the control so um, but uh, looking at many of let's say yeah manufacturers from from other industries let's look at uh, f food and beverage manufacturer um, as an example would you Uh, say that a concept, um, such a sophisticated uh, security concept, is also necessary for such a company, or is it really for more the critical infrastructures? Um, um. Um, well, it's used in lots of different industries. Uh -huh. um, yeah. You know, where to begin? Um, really, the, the, uh, the question is one of consequence. So, 
uh, even if we have a small factory, um, if the bad guys can get in and mess with the safety systems, we have a problem. Okay, it's unacceptable for our workers to be injured because of a cyber attack. Um, and, you know, even if we have a small facilities, what is the, 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 the consequence of modern attacks? I mean, the attack that I worry about is an attack coming through the cloud. You know, imagine we have, uh, you know, a lot of small facilities. They use a lot of very specialized machines from, you know, uh, vendors that produce their best of class, best in the world at, at one thing. And they produce, a, a, you know, a comparatively small number of these. Every one of these vendors is standing up cloud services. This is the new thing to do. You know, bluntly, industrial automation uh, is a mature industry. You know, it's three percent per year when you see an opportunity for a new kind of cloud thing everybody jumps on it because it's it's an opportunity to make money that you didn't have before the vendors are all setting up these cloud services um some of these cloud services are going to be really thoroughly secured mm -hmm. not the world is the world people are the same imagine you know a ransomware actor gets into a poorly secured cloud service yeah. and they yeah. use that cloud service to launch their ransomware just like like they did for Kaseya mm -hmm. into the clients of the cloud service through inside the encrypted connections out to the cloud this is what I worry about sabotage arriving because mm -hmm. we have a connection to the cloud yeah. we can see hundreds of industrial sites going down all at once if you know hundreds of power plants go down critical infrastructure this is a really big problem for society if we have you know, dozens of our plants go down because most of them use equipment from a very specialized vendor and that vendor has been compromised. That's still a consequence that's big enough that we have to care about. You know, we see we see people across the entire spectrum in the class of protection in. Okay. Um, uh, what I still think is that there are probably a few big, uh, large companies um, who, yeah, can hire specialists on that topic and uh, put a lot of effort, investments in it. Um, what about the, the smaller companies? I mean, they are also yeah, they also exist and they are a potential. They, they are exposed to to this uh, risk that, that you mentioned. Is it? Uh, uh, do you see any difference? Is uh, do, does the the size of a company today um, matter um, uh, when you look at um, yeah how they protect their networks and what options they have? Absolutely. And, you know, um, the unidirectional gateway is sort of uh, in the center of a, a class of protections that uh, has really only people have only started talking about this class of protection widely in the last couple of years, like the last two, maybe three years. The whole class doesn't even have a name yet. You know, one of the things I do, I don't I, I, usually, I don't invent a lot of stuff when I write these books. I'm working on a new book right now. Um, what I what I try and do look at what people are doing, look at the best ideas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing I invent terminology. The term that makes sense here is security engineering. Unidirectional gateways are part of security engineering. There's a, a lot of other stuff that is starting to emerge and people are talking about as security engineering and it applies very much to the smallest, uh, you know, as much as the, the largest sites. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, you know, helping the, the, the government of Canada uh, uh, security agency um, with a, a white paper right now for small water systems. Small water systems have a thousand customers. You know, they might have one or two 
dollars a year, most of which is spent on people in trucks fixing leaks. You know, they don't have an IT person. They certainly don't have an, an OT security person. Not a chance. Yeah. Um, but they're still targets. Mm -hmm. The smallest sites are still targets. And so, um, you know, what we're seeing is is uh, the 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 U.S. Department of Energy just put out a report saying we need a roadmap towards this thing. They call it something else, but I suggest what they need a roadmap towards security engineering. Um, if you're, you know, working a, a small manufacturer with, you know, a dozen machines in a small factory, um, if you're worried about workers, you know, losing an arm when they reach into a machine to try and diagnose a problem, things wear out and try and fix things, um, don't just turn off machine with a button that's connected to a computer that controls the machine. And it's off. Take the lever, put a physical interlock in place, put a pin into the gears so that it physically can't move. And then it's safe to reach in, even if some ransomware actor has compromised the safety system and you know, wants to hold you to ransom. It's not physically possible to start that machine moving again or you know, put a physical switch on the power so yeah. that it has no power anymore. Yeah. It's safe to reach into. Engineering mechanisms engineering grade solutions i mean i mean think about the profession uh -huh. the profession exists i suggest as, as a self-regulating profession in a lot of legal jurisdiction it exists to protect public safety and you know you look at the cybersecurity protections we have in place a lot of the software stuff it can all be hacked um, you know, fire the, the the ransomware gets through firewalls into IT networks all the time. You know, the bad guys have proven they can get through firewalls into industrial networks. They can defeat these software. All software can be hacked. Is this you know? Would would you would you cross a bridge? The engineer designing the bridge said, "I hope the bridge can hold up to the load that it's going to face next year." Because that's what we're that's what we're saying on the on the security side. I hope that the bad guys don't come after us because I'm not sure that we can stand up. All software can be hacked. What we need is engineering grade solutions uh -huh. to the risks that automation and connectivity are introducing into our systems. And there are engineering grade solutions. I mean, uh, the ISA put out a report, uh, a textbook called uh, Security PHA Review, which is talking about physical mitigations for cyber security risks to safety. Um, you know, these these engineering solutions, you know, unidirectional gateways, you know, physical levers, overpressure valves, these solutions do not exist in the IT space. Mm -hmm. You know, have a look at, at ISO 20001. Have a look at the US NIST um, yeah. uh, security framework. Where do they talk about overpressure valves? <laughs> I'm sorry, they don't. <laughs> so these engineering solutions, unidirectional gateways, Mm -hmm. physical interlocks, even old-style air gaps for your smallest of systems, they don't exist in these mm -hmm. cybersecurity frameworks. It's not a cybersecurity solution, it's an engineering solution. Mm -hmm. And um, still, uh, when we talk about the topic of um, cybersecurity, you hear many people talking about uh, antivirus, about um, safe passwords, about two-factor. Uh, do these concepts uh, still fit into um, uh, in, into your approach, or do they have a place here as well, or are they completely uh, out of scope in, in this, um, in, in your, from your perspective of industrial uh, cybersecurity? 
No, no, they, they, they absolutely have approach. I mean, um, you know, I document what, again, what our customers do, mm-hmm. what the world's most secure sites do. Yeah. Um, and they do all of that stuff. Okay. They do all of that stuff in addition what I've been talking about. What I've been talking about, you know, they see they see these physical protections mm-hmm. in a sense as their primary protection. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, if we can put a gateway, a unidirectional gateway in place and the attacks, the remote attacks simply can't get in, that's a very strong layer of security. But again, the first law of industrial security, nothing secure. It's still possible to carry attacks on a USB into the three machines in the whole power plant that still have USBs enabled. It's still possible. And so we do see software protection being deployed routinely. Um, the, uh, you know, you physically eliminate almost all of the attack opportunities and then you use software to reduce further whatever residual risk, whatever leftover risk you have. In particular, you know, you apply the software defenses most aggressively to the machines or to the parts of the system that are still most exposed to incoming attacks. So if there's three machines in the place that still have CD drives on them, those are the places where you put the antivirus. Those are the machines you've got to keep patched as much as you can. Um, you know, one of the one of the good things is that you have, you know, powerful physical mitigations for security in place. Um, then you can actually reduce your your spend on some of the most expensive elements of the cybersecurity program. I mean, you know, what is the, to me, in my understanding, the single most expensive element of most people's cybersecurity program is the patch program. Mm -hmm. It's so hard, hard to patch things. If you've got physical mitigation, if you have your safety risks, with physical interlocks. If you've eliminated the possibility of remote attacks with a unidirectional gateway, there's not that much left. Your exposure is dramatically reduced. And now you can use that reduced exposure as a justification for reducing the intensity of your investment in patches. If you're exposed to the internet all day long, I'm sorry, you have to patch, you're exposed. If you've eliminated almost all of the exposure, you don't need to patch as aggressively. Everyone still patches. Sooner or later, they patch. But you can turn patching into a more deterministic, a more uh, you know, uh, systematic process rather than the emergency whack-a-mole. Oh, no! Oh, another one! <laughs> yeah. Because so, you have this safe uh, foundation already, or secure foundation already in place that protects you from the uh, most significant uh, threats uh, and everything else comes, comes on top, right? Um, Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. and you know patching patching is 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 a real problem. Not just because it's expensive, yeah. it's because you know it delivers less value than a lot of people think. I mean, a lot of people think, okay, risk. You know, they think risk is a function of uh, consequence mm-hmm. and you know threat and vulnerability and you know a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, vulnerability, vulnerability. If I can get rid of my vulnerabilities. If I can make my vulnerabilities zero, my risk goes to zero. Quick patch everything. And they don't realize, you know, two things. One is that that uh, patching solves known vulnerabilities, not the zero days, not the ones the bad guys have found and are using against us and we don't know about yet. And two, modern attacks arrive, you know, modern attacks exploit permissions more often they exploit vulnerabilities. If you steal a password and you log in and you do as you will, 
you can do as you will on a fully patched system. So, you know, patching is expensive. It has limited benefit. You do have to do it sooner or later. All of our customers do it. But again, they've made it a more deliberate process. Okay. Um, a couple of minutes you mentioned that existing standards, guidelines from uh, ISO and, and so on and so forth, that they look at a particular area, but that they also leave out um, yeah, many important um, aspects that we are talking about today, like the, the physical protect, protection, for example. Um, what would you recommend to, to our listeners who right now maybe want to learn more about these topics? Where uh, can they find this information if they really want to go deeper into this, yeah, obviously quite uh, a big uh, topic? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple of things. I mentioned the uh, U.S. Department of Energy report uh, that if you want to Google for it, the uh, the name is Cyber Informed Engineering. Okay. Okay, it's not Cyber Informed Security. It's Cyber Informed Engineering. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's a roadmap. It says we, we need to do X, Y, and Z. It doesn't say how to do cyber informed engineering it says how to figure out how we're going to do cyber informed engineering so it's a very preliminary document um, the french ANSI standards um, have got some good advice in them um, the, the 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 ANSI ANSI uh, agence nationale du système de sécurité d'information um, for critical infrastructures uh, not you know for IT systems for critical infrastructures they've got some some uh, Good, good places in there. I mentioned security PHA review. PHA is process hazard analysis, but the, the title of the book is security PHA review. It's from uh, from the ISA. The folks at Kenexis, K-E-N-E-X-I-S, uh, wrote the book. And you know, my own uh, 2019 book, Secure Operations Technology. Uh, it documents uh, the the protection from information mindset that I observed in our customers. Uh, and the good news is that, you know, you don't have to go to Amazon and buy the thing. Uh, if you go to the Waterfall website, it's not a book about Waterfall, but, you know, as a public service, Waterfall is distributing the book for free. Uh, you know, if we can get it shipped to you, to you folks, shipping is a real problem in, in the in the days of, of COVID here. Uh, but you can go to the, the resources menu under uh, the Waterfall website on, down to security, you know, secure operations technology and, and, and ask uh, for a copy. And of course, you know, I'm working on a new book, you know, touch wood, we'll see something in about in about six months talking about this, trying to bring all the, the, the whole big picture together on mm -hmm. what. Okay, uh, new book so sounds interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I can imagine that many um, of, of the listeners, uh, viewers, uh, got some appetite on on this topic now after uh, mentioning all the, the threats and the developments that are possible. Uh, what is this new book about? Uh, so what what uh, topics do you look at in, in your new book? Well, the working title is Security Engineering mm -hmm. uh, you know, for OT Cyber Risk Management. Mm -hmm. um, and I start with risk. I mean, risk is a boring topic, but you, you got to start with the, the, the foundation. Um, I argue that risk is not Uh, consequence times likelihood. You know, consequence times likelihood is the right model for hurricanes and for earthquakes, where the risk, the threat is random. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with today's attacks, modern attacks, are deterministic. If you launch exactly the same ransomware attack against exactly the same target, 
twice in a row. If it worked the first time, it's almost certainly going to work the second time. Now, hopefully, if it actually, the target has learned something and changed their security, but these attacks are deterministic. Um, and so, you know, really the, uh, the job of a, of a risk manager to, to try and understand how much trouble am I in and, and how secure am I, how secure should I be, the job is to understand the capabilities of our adversary and understand the attack opportunities that remain that are you know that we're stuck with in our existing defensive posture and you know look at what we can do in terms of safety engineering protection engineering or engineering uh, you know to remove entire classes of opportunities just take them off the table um, and you know the, the the book I hope is going to be short. You know the point again is if you ask the right questions, if you look at risk the right way, you're going to start seeing solutions. You know that that we were blind to when when all we're asking is the question, how do I protect my information? Okay, yeah, sounds really uh, like like an interesting topic and uh, worth uh, reading reading the new book. So looking forward uh, for the publication. Um, I think we are slowly. Also, uh, coming to, to the end of, of uh, this session of today's uh, episode, um, first of all, thank you very much for, for joining us, uh, for sharing all this um, yeah, very interesting insights on industrial cybersecurity. Before we uh, go out, maybe you can give us a brief wrap-up of uh, uh, yeah, the topic and what do you uh, want the audience to, to keep in mind um, after, after this episode? You know, thank you for having me. I, I love to talk about this stuff. You can probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the, the message I would leave you with is that the world is changing. Uh -huh. um, the bad news is that we're seeing those attacks increase geometrically. We're yeah. seeing, uh, you know, the attacks more than double uh, every year. It's going to be a very small number of years before everyone has, has got this thing in, in our face, whereas now... Uh -huh problem that's not going to be the truth in, in in a couple of years worse you know or sort of as bad at the same time our exposure is increasing we continue to automate we continue to connect we're connecting stuff out to the cloud so you know that's the bad news the good news is that with an increased awareness of engineering solutions to you know unidirectional problems engineering approaches that don't exist in conventional you know 62443 or 27001 advice you know uh, these approaches are very powerful there are tools that are unique to the ot space they're very powerful tools available to us in the ot space and you know as more people become aware of them and and take advantage of them i think we can make real progress towards making you know the enterprise networks i don't know they're that's that's someone else's that's a, it's a big problem but i think you know we, there there's there's uh, really strong steps we can take towards making the industrial networks in a sense engineering grade you know when you design a bridge you say here's the load it's going to carry here's how long it's going to carry it you design it according to engineering principles that are going to you know are are, are going to survive the test of time the load is the attack load and there are powerful engineering solutions that we can use to uh, protect ourselves against that load for long periods of time because you know we deploy solutions that have to survive you know five ten sometimes 20 or 30 years in terms of the the expectation on the on the
mm-hmm. physical infrastructure. So I would encourage people, um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, Andrew Ginter. Um, check out my podcast. I, you know, I applaud you folks for for yeah. for doing uh, this this video cast. Uh, my own podcast, if you're curious, is the Industrial Security Podcast. It's about security. It's not about you know me. You won't hear you won't hear this stuff on the podcast. <laughs> We have a different guest. We, you know, it's it's all about the guest every every uh, every two weeks. Um, get a copy of my my secure operations technology book and give me feedback. I mean, I'm writing madly now on on the new book. I can only get better if I get feedback. Bad or ugly, you know. My first book, a lot of people disagreed with. I learned from that. I welcome that kind of feedback. You know, thank you for having me, and thank you to everyone for who's who's stuck with us, who's listened to the whole episode. Thank you very much, Andrew. 